everybody. Welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka the biggest Grizzlies and Titans fan I know. How you doing today, Ethan? So far, I'm not doing so well. My Grizzlies are down in this crucial game against the Warriors to um, determine seeding in the playing tournament. Yeah, I see now. I just got a notification that midway through the third is 71-58. But, you know, in basketball, 13-point leads, they get, they get blown by pretty quickly. So, you guys still got a chance. Or at least the West does. The East is pretty sewn up. So, you guys, like I said, y'all got a chance. We got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to break down the 2021 NFL schedule. We're going to talk some games that we're really looking forward to in that. We're going to talk some NBA, of course, look at the present playoff picture and talk some things such as the Kent Baysmore and Bradley Beal beef. We're going to kind of close off this show giving the predictions for WrestleMania Backlash, which is taking place tonight in just a couple of hours. But before we do that, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content. Content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Now, like I said, uh, for our draft fans, even though the draft is over, there's still draft content that you can look at. Be sure to head over to the xreport.net where I have my 2021 NFL draft recap, which every team's picks. Um, my grades for each team's drafts, my thoughts on the rookies. Rookie minicamp is getting started, so it's going to be a very exciting time to look at the future of your favorite NFL team. So be sure to check that out. But speaking of the future, we do have the upcoming schedule for the NFL season, and this is going to be the first year, as we know, where teams are going to be playing 17 games, which is still weird, but... We'll see how it goes. So, let of course, we got to start off with the beginning. Week one game. Ethan, which week one game are you most excited for or looking forward to? Uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to the Titans home opener. I'm looking forward to this Sunday night game, the uh, Rams versus the Bears. I think it's going to be a good – they played – a couple years ago, they played a really good game against each other. I think it was on Sunday night also. Uh, I think that was the Monday night game for last yeah, season, Monday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, it was Monday. But I think it's going to be a defensive battle, kind of a throwback type of game. More or less, it might end up being like 21 to 17 type of a score. But I think it's going to be a really good game. All right, my week one game, as we all know, I'm an LSU fan. And it looks like it's really going to be an LSU reunion. Week one, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's see. You got Joe Burrow, of course. Jamar Chase, his new number one receiver. Of course, his guy from LSU. We're going to see Justin Jefferson, Patrick Peterson. It's just going to be LSU galore. And I think it's going to be a really fun game to test out the mantle. Joe Burrow is expected to play his first game since what? I think that was week 13 of last year. First. Yeah, the first game in a long time after tearing that ACL. I want to see how the Bengals' offense looks. I want to see how Patrick Peterson looks in the Vikings' defense. And, of course, I want to see my boy Jay Jettis see if he can avoid that sophomore slump. So that week one game is something I'm really interested in. And I'm going to try to actually go to it since I'm that close to Cincinnati. So we're going to see how we can make that work. But, all right, next up, the Sunday night football game you're most excited for. Yeah. Uh, I think that the Sunday night game I'm the most excited for is 
being honest, all the ones that involved the Titans, the Titans had a like three Sunday night primetime games. One of them, I think, two of them are Sunday night. One of them is Monday night. But I'm excited for those simply because it's like we're one of these smaller market, not as many fans, not not as big of a fan base. So the fact that we have like three primetime games. I'm excited for those. Yeah, yo, you guys' are Sunday night game is week nine against the Rams. And, uh, yeah, yeah, week nine. Yeah, so that's looking like the only Sunday night game. But that will be an interesting game. That defense going up against y'all, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, my Sunday night game, of course, week four, Bucks taking on the New England Patriots. Tom Brady returns to Foxborough. I mean, there's another category that this bad boy could have went into, but – I'm going that game. I think that, one, we all love a return. And considering Tom Brady spent 20 years in New England, the fact he's going back, coming off of a fresh Super Bowl win, New England's team looks completely different than it did a year ago. I'm really excited to see how that all shakes out. But, all right, you know the NFL loves its holiday games. So, which holiday game are you most looking forward to? I'm going to read them all because it's only five. Of course, on Thanksgiving, we're going to see Bears and Lions. Um, we're going to see Raiders and Cowboys, Bills and Saints. And then on Christmas, it's going to be Browns versus Packers and Colts versus uh, Cardinals. I'm going to have to go with the Bills versus Saints. I know that the Saints don't have Drew Brees and they don't have this star power like they used to in the past. But I really do. I think that they're still going to be a good overall team. Like, I think these couple years, these upcoming years, they might have to rely more on their defense than they did in the past. But they still have some exciting players. They have Alvin Kamara. They have um, Michael Thomas. Jameis Winston can still be an exciting quarterback. So, I got to go with that game. No, yeah, that is that was definitely close. I mean, especially, for example, the Thanksgiving games we always see. Uh, the NFC East and NFC North matchup, so that's not really that's much of a surprise. But I'm going to actually say uh, Colts versus Cardinals. Reason being, I'm excited to see how the Cardinals look. While they added some great moves into their front seven, we all know about J.J. Watt. Chandler Jones is going to be coming back. I'm interested to see how Zayvon Collins looks. Their secondary took a pretty big blow in losing Patrick Peterson and replacing him with Malcolm Butler, which you all know my feelings on Malcolm Butler. Not to mention the Colts. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to be a really big primetime game for him. By this point, I think it's, what, week 16? Teams are really going to have their identities by then. We're going to know which teams are contending the playoffs. And I can honestly see both of these teams vying for a spot at this stage. So I think it's going to be a game that has a lot of implications. All right, next up, a fun category, revenge game. It's easy. It's the game that you said was going to be your favorite song, your favorite primetime game. It has to be the Bucks versus the Pets. Yeah, I mean, for all the reasons. I mean, that's an easy storyline. That I'm happy I already said them, so it's not going to be my revenge game. I'm going to go to another one that, you know what, it's going to be a bit different than the one that I was originally going to say. I was really going to say Vikings versus Cardinals because I wanted to see Pat go up against the Cardinals. But forget that. Not Patrick Peterson, but you know what I mean. I'm actually going to go Jets versus Panthers. I want to say that's week one. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. 
It is going to be Sam Donald's return to New York. And it's going to be a very interesting game. We're going to see Zach Wilson, rookie, who took his job. I want to see how he squares up against an NFL defense, especially one like the Panthers, that is getting a bit better. But Sam Darnold, I mean, this is the prime opportunity to show that you're a good quarterback. You just were a part of a bad team. So I think that if he has a big game, I think that it can really speak volumes in and get a great start off to this new chapter of his career. But if he loses or has a bad game, people are going to be questioning, well, it looks like the Jets made the right move. Maybe Sam Darnold is bad. And I know it's hard to really base somebody off of one week, but this is a pretty big game for Sam Darnold. So that'd be my uh, revenge game. All right, rookie matchup. So this could be any rookies at any position, but the game where two rookies score off that you're excited for. Oh, it's easy. It has to be, I think it's week two. Um, number one versus number two, Trevor Lawrence versus Zach Wilson. Let me see. Uh, no, that is week. That is week 16. Okay, my bad. Wrong week, but still the same matchup. Like, I'm really excited for that. It's always interesting to see the top. The first pick and the second overall pick go on the draft, especially when both of those guys are quarterbacks. So that'll be an interesting matchup in my opinion. All right, for me, I'm going to go with the one that's a bit closer to the best. I'm going to say uh, weeks 12 and 14 when the Ravens take on the Browns, it's going to be our first-round pick, Rashad Bateman, versus the Browns' first-round pick, Greg Newsom. It's no guarantee that these two are going to be locked on to each other, but I'm interested to see how it shakes out. Like I said, with this these games being later in the season, we should have a good perspective of what these players are. And I'm excited to see which rookie gets the better of the other, especially because it really could seal the game. It could really affect how the game goes. All right, now let's get personal with our favorite teams. On the Titans' schedule, which game do you find the most interesting? Um, I would have to say the game against the Steelers, simply because – it's it's not a rivalry game, but it's a game where it's a lot of bad blood between those two teams. And it's also just one of those games where it's gonna show if the Steelers were really is are really as good as a lot of people thought they were because last season, you know, they had really a tight schedule and now they have the toughest schedule in the NBA. I mean in the NFL, I'm sorry. So just to see how that goes. Yeah, and not to mention it's week 15. And so there's going to be a lot of playoff implications on both sides because both sides are bound to be competitive this upcoming season. Uh, For me, I'm going to say our week 15 game against the Packers. There is so much uncertainty with the Packers right now. It's, it's crazy. Like, in, on the one hand, I want to see Lamar versus Aaron Rodgers. I want to see how we match up against that defense. Sure, they got some pieces, but I think that our offense will still win the day. But I really want to see how our secondary sacks up against A-Rod. Because A-Rod is a bad man. I would love to see the matchup of Marlon Humphrey versus Devontae Adams. Two of the best at their position. I just think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Just because we don't play the Packers that often. It's every what, four or five years. So it's rare we're on the field together. Last time we played, I believe Aaron Rodgers was hurt. So we didn't get the full Packers experience. And I want that. All right, final one, I believe. No, all right, three bold predictions for the upcoming season based off of the schedule. Um, I think that, obviously, I don't think that the Buccaneers are going to repeat. That's one instantly because I think that the NFC 
this year is going to be way tougher than it was last year. And I think that it's going to be a lot of teams with pieces that's returning that weren't there to see the board, i.e. the 49ers. I think that if the 49ers were completely healthy, that would have had a chance to really vibe for the uh, Super Bowl number two. I think we've talked about this all year, but I think Justin Fields is going to be the best rookie quarterback once it's all said and done. I don't think he's going to start immediately, but I think once he gets on the field, he's going to be the one with the most production. And number three, Derrick Henry is going to lead the going to lead the NFL in the rest of the game for a third consecutive year. Okay, I mean the extra seat. I mean the extra week definitely helps out his cause. Had over 2K yards last season, so I, it would not shock me. All right, so starting with number three, I'm going to say it will be Brady versus Mac Jones in week four. I know that it seems nobody's, you know, blowing by Cam right now and saying he's not going to be the starting quarterback. But honestly, we saw how Cam performed last year. He was a real mixed bag, and I feel like the Patriots, they don't have the patience this year. That's why they spend so much money in free agency. They want to make sure that they get back on top. And right now, Cam Newton is not necessarily the best way to do that. So if he has some bad games early on, I see Mac Jones taking his spot. And I can see it being the past versus the present on week in week four. Number two, <clears throat> you and I talked about this, but I got Julio Jones being on the Tennessee Titans. I mean, it just seems like the way that Atlanta is afraid to commit to Julio is insane to me because I understand he's a great trade piece, but he's the best offensive player you guys have arguably ever had. And it's just, I understand money, but it's like, come on. Like, just imagine the strength of that offense with him, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, if he reaches his potential. That is going to be an insane pass-catching group. But it doesn't seem like that the Falcons are really ready to commit to that. So I think that he gets traded, and the team that makes the most sense to me is the Tennessee Titans. And then number one, Deshaun Watson will be the starting quarterback for an NFL team week one. Which team? I have no clue. I cannot tell you who, but it seems like his legal situation, things are starting to get sorted out. And I feel like if things are able to get sorted out, especially before the end of the month, I can see the I can see the Houston Texans getting calls from teams, whether it be the Green Bay Pack I mean not the Packers, but um whether it be a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, who they have Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco, but they have been pretty non-committal to Jalen Hurts. The Broncos, who we all know could really use a boost. At quarterback, especially if they don't trust Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints. There are so many teams that I could see really pulling that trigger on a guy like Deshaun Watson, who we've talked about. Like, barring legal issues, he's a top five quarterback. So those are my three bold predictions for this upcoming season. But let's talk about a player who has been known to be bold, good old Tom Brady, who... As we all have noticed, since he's left New England, has become very talkative to the media. In a recent interview with the uh, Complex Sports podcast, he said, I got to figure out how to beat the Giants someday. We got to have some type of rematch now that I'm in Tampa in a championship game. Now, Ethan, we know that the Bucks can make the playoffs. But what about the Giants? How far do you see the Giants going this season? It was reported today that they signed uh, Kelvin Benjamin at tight end. They've made a lot of other moves, such as signing Kenny Galladay and uh, drafting Kadarius Toney. Where do you see the Giants' ceiling being this year? I can see them being a potential playoff team. 
simply because their division isn't that great. Like, the Cowboys, yes, they might have a great offense, but what is their defense wasn't that significantly improved. Um, yes, they signed Michael Parsons, but they still, the secondary isn't still established, in my opinion. Um, Washington, yes, they have an amazing defense. Yes, they have Antonio Gibson, and they have two great receivers. But um, who, what are they really, what are they really going to do with a quarterback? Yeah. Like, are they going to trust, are they going to throw Trevor Hickey out? We know that um, Alex Smith is officially retired from the NFL. So what would they do? And then, you know, the uh, the Giants, they have they have a decent defense. They also have some great pieces of offense. Honestly, in my opinion, their only question mark has been quarterback. Like, is Daniel Jones, now that he has adequate enough weapons, is he going to be able to lead that team and win football games? Or is he going to really show that he was – uh, overhype a couple games a season, highlight real type of guy. Um, so I think that they had in the Eagles, they got a lot of work to do. Like they, they lost pieces on offense. They really, I don't think they really trust Jalen Hurts, but they kind of have no choice because they have nobody else that can be a significant factor at quarterback. So that division. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, there's no real favorite. Of course, people want to keep jumping on the uh, Cowboys bandwagon because Dak is back. But, I mean, their defense, like you said, still needs improvement. They they drafted Kelvin Joseph, which is nice, but it's still questions of if he could be a number one corner. Did he really make that secondary better? If you ask me, I say no. I mean – like you say, you pretty much broke down every team in the NFC East. So really all I can add is I would agree with you that I think that the Giants can do it. It just comes down to Daniel Jones and I would say that offensive line. They do have a bad offensive line. Daniel Jones' decision-making is terrible. He turns the ball over quite a bit. And I think that this is the first time in his career that he has no excuses. At receiver, um, they're getting a healthy Saquon Barkley back. And if he's healthy, I see him as the best running back in the league. And they got more weapons. So I feel like if he can't lead this offense to be a stud offense, at worst, maybe top 12, then I think that that's going to come back to bite him. And more importantly, if they can't get wins, I can see him being on the way out. But in terms of playoff position, and I think right now their biggest competition is Washington, who at, who is honestly going through the same questions of their quarterback position. And so I think it really just comes down to do you trust Taylor Heineke slash Ryan Fitzpatrick more than Daniel Jones? And honestly, I would take Fitzpatrick over him, but I could see them sneaking in as a wild card team. But speaking of wild cards, Tim Tebow was signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, mind you, this man has not played a game since 2012. This is his first This is his first team since then, and it's looking like he may even be in line to start at tight end. Apparently, this decision has split the Jags locker room. Some people are happy with it. Some people are not. Many athletes have vocalized their opinions about it, such as um, Devin Bush, linebacker for the Steelers, who brought up, of course, the cap 
Colin Kaepernick argument of how he's not signed. Des Bryant also made some great points about him being signed over other people. So, Ethan, overall, what are your thoughts on Tim Tebow getting signed? I think Tim Tebow getting signed was a byproduct of he's not, it's who you know, it's not what you, it's not what you know, or in the case of, it's who you know versus what you can actually do on the field. Like, this man has signed, been signed to a contract, and he's never, he's played, he hasn't played a game in nine years, and he hasn't played tight end since high school, and now he is going to be, because the the Jaguars don't have much depth or any options on their roster at tight end. We can lo and behold and look up here. Tim Tebow is the starting tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't be one simply because they don't have any pieces on that roster. And I think it's horrendous because it's. I can understand the Kaepernick thing, but I also think the Kaepernick thing is partially yes. He, I feel like he's black. He's been blackballed from the NBA. I also think that you know, it's two completely different positions. Like quarterback is the face of the franchise position, and that's a position that owners they want it to look a certain way, which is why I think that they don't have. Um, which is why I think ultimately Colin Kaepernick hasn't been given another opportunity because of the position. But I think as far as like it's a lot of young guys that are on teams that do tight end. Like, I mean, you even if you want to go about it, Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker and Tim Tebow, I think, are around the same age. I think Delaney Walker's 33 and Tim Tebow is like 32. Dang, I know Delaney's older. He's older? Okay. But, I mean, even still, like, Delaney Walker was a formal all pro tight end. But you, get, you don't look at him, but you give a guy that hasn't played the position at all a shot. So I think it's completely, I think it's just horrible. I think it's a bad decision. I think it's just, and it's also going to create this target on the Jaguars' back because it's like, okay, football players, they even though they're on separate teams, it's just like the NBA. They band together and it's a brotherhood. And so it's like, okay, you want to give this guy a shot. But it's like, I have a buddy that I play in college with that I know can fill this position, you don't give him an opportunity. So I'm gonna take some shots. Like I'm it's, like me, you talked about it off off air. I feel bad for the time that if Sam Tebow decides to go across the middle, I really do feel bad for that guy. And I think it's gonna be one of those things where it's like people are going to try to make examples out of him. Yeah. Um kind of speaking to what you said about Colin Kaepernick, I mean I understand people want to see Colin Kaepernick in the league, but I I hate to be the person but like let it go, but like it's not happening. If a team was assigned Colin Kaepernick at this point, it would just be to get media attention. And not to mention the last time Cap, Cap really wanted to play, he wanted to get starter level money and he wanted to be like he wanted to be in contention for a starting role at quarterback. The position he had not played for a long time. So it's different money, it's different scenarios, it's a different position. So I don't think, I feel like, like you said, a Delaney Walker would be like, well, Delaney's not signed. Tyler Eifert's not signed. Those guys, if people would have used them as examples instead of Cap, I think that that argument would have more merit. But I feel like just bringing in Cap into every argument when somebody gets signed doesn't 
doesn't really necessitate what's actually going on. But I mean, like you said, I just don't. I feel like it's one of those things, like, if you really love this guy's character and you really love what he can bring to a team, why not make him a coach? Like, there are a billion coaches on a roster. You could just give him a title. Like, like that's what they do with, with everything in sports. Like, he might not officially be a coach, but they will say, oh, he's a consultant. Literally. So why does he have to come in as a tight end? And there are some – I mean, this – I feel like the move wouldn't be as bad if – they didn't – if they would have brought back Tyler Eifert and then signed Tim Tebow too, okay, well, at least going in, nobody thinks he's going to be the, you know, starting tight end. But they also traded Josh Oliver to Baltimore, who was another tight end on the roster. So right now their tight end depth is pretty low. And they didn't even draft a tight end, which makes it even seem more that they are perfectly content if the season started right now and Tim Tebow was their starting tight end. Like, it's just – it's not the right move. And then I don't think anybody is going against Tim Tebow's character, anything about him as a person. It's really just, why Tim Tebow? Like, I, you made the perfect analogy of it's who you know. And Urban Meyer, as we can tell, is trying to build this team in his image, regardless of conventional wisdom. Apparently, Travis Etienne is taking reps at wide receiver instead of running back, which we both find is weird. He's bringing in Tim Tebow, like things like that that are just like, what's going on? So truthfully, I don't have any expectations for Tim Tebow. I mean, because he's going to have to get into playing shape. Like his body can be in nice shape or whatever. But I mean, for six years, he wasn't doing anything but broadcasting. Broadcasting and actually playing football are two completely different things. So honestly, my expectations for Tim Tebow are very, very low. But let's talk about a player who's everyone's in expectations tend to be pretty high Aaron Rodgers as the drama continues now earlier this week it was reported that the Packers had offered um, Aaron Rodgers a significant long-term contract extension one that possibly uh, would have made him the highest paid quarterback in the league but there are no reports that he actually signed it so in turn, the Green Bay Packers signed, arguably, you know, Ethan, you probably agree with me too. I mean, you saw him, you know, twice a week with the Titans. The greatest quarterback of our generation, Blake Bortles, who I can't believe he wasn't, you know, in talks to play tight end for Urban Meyer. I mean, he's just so great. He could have played any position. But the Packers signed Blake Bortles, and this is what Packers head coach Matt LaFleur said on him. Shoot, he led his team to the 2017 AFC Championship game. And, I mean, they were close to knocking off the Patriots in New England. So, Ethan, let's say Aaron Rodgers is out of the picture or he's holding out. Who starts for the Packers week one, Blake Bortles or Jordan Love? I would have to go with Jordan Love simply because to – to kind of rectify what you just said as far as they didn't lead them to the AFC Championship game. They had a top three defense, the they, best second defense in the league. Yeah, their defense led by Galarius Campbell, um, Dante Fowler, and uh, Jalen Ramsey. That's what led them to the AFC Championship, not Blake Rose. So, and so yeah, I definitely got to go with Jordan Love simply because. Like, we know that Blake Bortles isn't a starting caliber quarterback. We don't know what Jordan Love is. Yes, we have speculations simply based because he didn't play against top-level talent in college. But he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for, what, two years now? 
It was a year. He got drafted last year. Yeah, that's right. A year. And he might be sitting behind him again for the better part of this year if Aaron Rodgers actually decides to stay on the field. So with that comes, he's able to gain knowledge. He's able to develop. He's able to learn things that, you know, you can he won't be able to learn necessarily if you get thrown in the fire. You might learn some of the things by getting thrown in the fire, but this other thing. Like, you also sitting behind one of the greatest quarterbacks that Phil has ever. So, I gotta go Jordan. This one is tough for me because while I understand your argument for Jordan Love, I just... I'll say this. If they felt as comfortable with Jordan Love as most teams do with their first-round quarterback, I feel like the issues with Aaron wouldn't be as pressing to them. I don't think that in every interview, like, we want to bring him back. We want him to be a Packer for, like, blah, blah, blah. I feel like if they felt like Jordan Love could lead them anywhere, I, I wouldn't – I don't think they would just be banging on the Aaron drum so hard. And so, with that being said, I could see them ended up starting Blake Bortles ahead of him, if not for any other reason, but he has starting experience. I'm in total agreement with you. He didn't lead the Jags anywhere. But at least he's been a starter. He will have a great wide receiver and a great running game that he can rely on. So, literally, all he has to do is dump the ball off or look for number 17 on the outside. It's not that difficult. Um, And I think that – Honestly, I could see them going with Blake Bortles week one. I think that Jordan Love will have to have a really strong preseason in order to change their minds. But I think that between the two, I could see the reason why they brought in Blake Bortles was because I think that they could see him having a start in the foreseeable future. But speaking of number 17, uh, he recently did an interview um, on the herd and talked about the Aaron Rodgers situation and how it affects him. He said there are certain things that he wants and maybe the club wasn't so excited about living up to right away. I've been behind him 100% through the whole thing. I'm praying everything works out and that we get him back. A lot is still being figured out on his end. Honestly, I'd love to. I can't wait until I can just get in there and tell you that he's back. But for now, they just have to iron a few things out, and then hopefully I'll be back on the show and we'll be celebrating. He also made comments about how it affects his own future and how it's going to cause him a lot of thinking to do. That's not saying that he's going to leave, but it will make new things come to light. His contract, I want to say, is up after this season or at least in the next two years. So do you think that Devontae Adams could be on his way out? I absolutely do. I think that... If he doesn't, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, then I firmly believe that Devontae Adams doesn't want to be the star receiver with the team with a bad quarterback. Yeah. Like, case in point, we look at what happened with Ray Hopkins before he got traded to the Cardinals and before Deshaun Watson was actually drafted. This man was on the team with Tom Savage being the quarterback. Um, Matt Schaub. Yeah, Matt Schaub. You can name whatever quarterback you want. Um, Osweiler. TJ Yates, my bad. Brock Osweiler. Yeah. And I think that DeAndre Hopkins is a – he's a different type of individual to where he didn't care, but he also did care, which is why he won – which is why he ended up, I feel like, ultimately leaving, getting out of 
Houston, I think he might have voiced it and they never really just got out. They wanted a better quarterback. And I think that Devontae, once Aaron gone, he's gone, he's gone. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I mean, it's like you go from living in a mansion to all of a sudden you live in a one-bedroom ratty apartment. Like, it's a huge difference. Like, there are really maybe three or four guys who, if the Packers replaced him with Aaron Rodgers, it would be a seamless transition. But other than that, it's going to be a downgrade. And as a top-notch wide receiver, especially you're coming off the best year of your career and you're trying to build off that, nobody wants to just keep being around bad quarterbacks because your numbers are bound to decline. This year he had a tremendous season, but who's to say that he'll be able to put up those same numbers without A-Rob? Because, I mean, he sees it in his division with Allen Robinson. Terrible quarterbacks. No, It's no telling how great his numbers could be if he had a real quarterback. And right now... He has potential to have that real quarterback. What's, we haven't really seen what Devontae Adams has had to do without a real quarterback because Aaron Rodgers has been there his entire time. And so I think once you get leveled to a certain standard of play, I think it's hard to really go back and to play with just anybody. So, yeah, I can see him being on his way out too. But, all right, let's talk some NBA. Starting with Ethan, what are your top three takeaways from this past week of action? Top three takeaways are, man, this has been some of the most important late-season basketball I've seen in a very long time. I know it's, a lot of people have mixed emotions about the play-in tournament, but these games are significantly, are, they're shown that they're being significantly more thought about and have more of a um, sense of urgency being behind them. I'm currently watching the Grizzlies and Warriors and this is being played like a play playoff game. Like they're playing physical defense. The refs aren't calling all the fouls that they normally would. Oh my God, Jerry Munch is how he fouls my back. The refs aren't calling like the BS fouls that they normally would call in the regular season. It's intense. It's physical. Um, also, secondly, I think that, you know, if hopefully Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell are healthy by the time the playoffs start. Because if they aren't, I don't see the Jazz making it that far. I don't really see the Jazz make. I can see the Jazz making it to the Western Conference Finals with everyone healthy, but without them, I can see them being bounced early. And you know, with you brought back LeBron and AD, and you saw that they're going to have a little struggle getting everybody adjusted to playing with those guys on the court. But they showed flash with being the Lakers that won the championship last year. I hear that. All right, let's talk our Mamba players of the week. Starting out of the East, mine is going to Brody, uh, Russell Westbrook, who this week, doling out congratulations, passed Oscar Robertson for all-time triple-double record with 182 and continuing to build with that. So congratulations to him on that. And that's also a big reason why he is my Eastern player of the week. Yeah, I got to go over Russ, too. He's been playing at a phenomenal level these past couple these past couple of months. And he basically he broke the record. The record that no one ever thought was gonna be broken. He did it in typical Westbrook fashion, just playing extremely hard and being the most intense guy on the court at all times. 
Most deaf. All right. Coming out of the West, this one was a bit trickier for me, but I'm going to go Damian Lillard. He's really started to turn his game on, especially with the end of the season. And, I mean, he's in a pretty uh, tough situation as of right now. He and the Lakers, depending on how each of their games uh turnout tonight is going to determine who is going to be in that play-in and then who's going to have that sixth seed. But with how Dame has been playing, it's going to be really tough for anybody to really slow him down, especially because you can tell just how motivated he is. So I'm going Dame. Uh, I hate to say it because I'm watching who killed my team right now, but I still got to go with Still. Like, Still's been playing otherworldly, and it's been – What? Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, it's been otherworldly, and the things that he's been doing has been like I know I wouldn't have thought still would be what he's been doing at the beginning of the season once Clay was hurt, because the whole offense was predicated. I mean, the whole defense would be predicated on stopping still, because it's literally nobody else that you have to worry about. Yes, Andrew Wiggins has had a fantastic season. But going into it, did you really think that Andrew Wiggins was going to be a good player? You thought he would have flashes? No. And he's had his slumps where he's been bad. It's yeah. been, it has not been pretty. So the see still put up video game numbers. It's been amazing to watch. Most definitely. All right, Ricky, Mamba Rookie of the Week. I'm going to go Anthony Edwards, just continuing to find his scoring niche. And I know that while LaMelo's been back and LaMelo's been cool, I mean – Ant's been doing his thing. I know the Timberwolves haven't been winning anything, but Ant's been looking pretty good. I'm interested to see how he's able to parlay this year into the future. Yeah, I'm definitely agreeing with you with um, Anthony Edwards. LaMelo's been back, and he's been amazing, but I think just what LaMelo, I mean, what Ant's been doing, he's progressively gotten better. I think that the coach that they have now, they put trust in him and he's instilled a level of confidence that wasn't there at the beginning of the season. And you can tell. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. All right, let's look at the current playoff picture. Let's start with the East. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers have locked up their top seed, followed by the Nets, Bucks, Knicks, Hawks, Heat, Celtics, Wizards, Pacers, and Hornets. So, on Tuesday, we'll be seeing play-in games. We're going to see Celtics versus Wizards, Pacers versus Hornets. Ethan, who you got in those games? Um, I have the Wizards coming out against the Pacers. The and Wizards play the uh, Celtics. I'm sorry, the Celtics. Because, I mean, they, the only way I can really see the, um, the Celtics coming out is if Jason Tatum and Kimball Walker both go for like 30 plus. And Kimball Walker, he's been better as of late, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that the Celtics, they're hot right now. Hopefully Bradley Beal is healthy. And if he is, I think the combination of him and Russell Westbrook will just be too much. And as far as the, uh, the Pacers next, and Hornets. Pacers and Hornets, this Pacers, they're a veteran team. Yes, the Hornets have been exciting, but I think that the Pacers have been a playoff team for the better part of maybe like three or four years. Mm -hmm. They have most of the guys, they still have most of the guys on their team together. So I got to go with the Pacers. 
Yeah, I'm agreeing with you about the Wizards. Um, and it actually leads to my question of how big of a loss do you see Jalen Brown not being able to perform? He's out for the rest of the year with a torn ligament in his left wrist. So do you feel like had Jalen Brown been able to play this upcoming game, do you think that that would sway you in the direction of Celtics or would you still go Wizards? I definitely was. I definitely will go with um, the Celtics simply because Jalen Brown is a 25-point-per-game scorer, and he's a guy that you can put on Bradley Beal to help slow him down because we all know that he's one of those guys that takes pride in playing defense and can be a phenomenal defender. Yeah. And it's like that, and it's like, yes, Jason Tatum is a two-way, defense, a two-way player, but you have to have somebody that can defend Russ and um, Bradley, and I think that you know one of those guys are going to go off, and I think that he's going to end up being Bradley. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, and then in terms of Pacers and Hornets, I'm in agreement with you about the Pacers. I mean, they are the most injury-riddled team I think I've ever seen in NBA history, but I am going to say Pacers just because that veteran leadership. I don't really see them doing much in the playoffs, but I do think that their defensive prowess will be able to be enough to slow down the Hornets. All right, let's look at the West. The Utah Jazz currently hold that top seed. They play later on the night uh, versus the – and then there's the Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, Trailblazers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Warriors and Spurs. So pretty much six through nine are all pretty much up in the air. The Spurs have pretty much clinched that playing spot at 10. As you not like you both said, the Grizzlies and Warriors are playing right now in a heated game. And then six and seven are pretty much up for grabs. So Ethan, when it's all said and done, because tonight the Trailblazers play the Nuggets and the Lakers play the Pelicans. How do you see tonight shaking out in terms of who is in the Western play-in? Um, being honest, I think that the Grizzlies are going to lose this game. They're going to be the ninth seed. And I think that the Blazers are going to win simply because the Pelicans are injured. I feel like they would have won. The Pelicans play the Lakers. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, either regardless, I think the Lakers are going to win simply because the Pelicans are – they're an injured team. None of their best players are available. And even when they were available, they didn't play defense. And, like, they would have amazing scoring games, but it's like they couldn't stop anybody. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm – it really just comes down to, for me, because, I mean, either way, the Grizzlies and the Warriors are going to have to play each other. Um, so it just depends on the overall seating. But with the Trailblazers and Lakers, I find it to be really interesting. I think it really just going to come down to who wants it more. Does Dame want it more or do the Lakers want it more? And I think that the Nuggets, we all know they're a great team. Nicole Jokic is really looking like an MVP candidate, potentially the front runner, depending on who you ask. But I think the Trailblazers are going to be able to pull that out. And because they own the tiebreaker over the Lakers, I see them keeping that sixth seed. So I can see it being Lakers, Spurs, and then Warriors and Grizzlies. So if that's the case, who do you see coming out of the West? Um, as far as going to the, going to the finals? No, no, no. I mean, like, um, out of the playing. Oh, it's the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I think either Lakers or the um, Trailblazers, simply because, like, L.A., they have the two best players in the whole. Outside of Steel, they 
Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest here. If they don't do it, it's going to be all hell breaking loose in L.A. And it's not going to be pretty. But before we really get to some uh, the Lakers and different storylines, let's send out some more congratulations to the 2020 Hall, Naismith uh, Basketball Hall of Fame class of last night, which, of course, included Tamisha K- Catchings, Kobe Bryant, uh, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Mike Breen, and a other cast of really great NBA talents. And also today it was announced the 2021 full class, which includes uh, Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Chris Webber, Ben Wallace, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, Rick Adelman, Jay Wright, Bill Russell, and Tony Kuchko. So congratulations to the 2021 class. Paul Pierce, you're still a scrub. But, you know, you can still do be a scrub with your Hall of Fame jacket on, so go off. Any words about the class, the upcoming class, I mean? I think it's dope. Like you said, Paul Pierce is still a scrub. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not, I might be wrong, but is Ben Wallace in this class? Yes, Ben Wallace is in the class, and he's the first undrafted player to make the Hall of Fame. Finally, they gave this man some respect because... Like, in my personal opinion, he should have been in the Hall of Fame. I would agree with that. And also, Chauncey Billups should be in the Hall of Fame as well. Because, I mean, he was a part of that same group, too, that did beat my Lakers. But I'm going to talk about that. In the finals. And, I mean, really sparked life with the Pistons that really have not been there in some time. So, it's kind of wild that, even though Ben Wallace is very deserving of, but it's kind of wild that Chauncey's not in there as well. Especially because, let's be honest, the NBA Hall of Fame is – kind of easy to get into not easy but it's it's easier than other sports to get into the hall of fame so but congratulations to him now with playoffs looming let's talk about the warriors and steph now draymond um at a press conference he was asked about the warriors being considered the underdogs and he said we are not believed we believe 2.0 we got effing steph curry on our team do you think that Draymond's confidence is a bit misguided and that the Warriors still should be considered underdogs, or do you think that he is right and they should not be taken lightly? Um, they shouldn't be taken lightly simply because they do have still carried, but they are underdogs. Like, I wouldn't consider them like the We Believe mm-hmm. Warriors because the We Believe Warriors legit came from out of nowhere. Right. Him, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, like it was, it was a different time. Yeah, like this Warriors team, it's a team that has some veteran presence. It's a team that has some talent. It's just not the same ensemble of characters that you're used to. Like it's not Steph, Clay, Draymond, and X, Y, Z. Whether it be Kevin Durant or you know, at one point it was Harrison Barnes. But they and it's they are a team that's like. I mean, they are underdogs. They should be like a completely written off. Like, oh, they might not make noise. Because with the way they still have been playing and the way that these teams have been playing, they could be anybody at any given point. Yeah, 100% agree. Just, if not for any reason, but who's going to slow down Steph? It seems like no matter who you put on Steph, no matter how deep you guard him, it has not done anybody any good. He's still been able to pull it out. So, yeah, I would agree with the Steph being a complete X factor. But I do think that they still are at an advantage. I mean, at a disadvantage against other teams with more depth, especially if the few times Steph is actually taking a break. Like, the few times he's actually on the bench. 
But all right, let's talk another piece of news. My Los Angeles Lakers, it was announced that they are going to be getting a nine-part docu-series, which is coming out in 2022. I'm excited. But, and there are a million different storylines, so many great players that the Lakers have had to rock the purple and gold jersey. But which storyline or facet of the Lakers organization are you most excited to learn more about? Honestly, I'm sorry, I'm watching the game. Oh, no, you good. You are good. I'm excited to see the rise and fall of the relationship between Shaq and Kobe. Simply because, like, we know that Shaq is one of my all-time favorite players. And we know, like, I love Kobe. He's probably my favorite, one of my favorite non-big man players in the NBA. And, like, I just would want to know where that fraction of their relationship came because they were dominant and it's like they just got to the point where I couldn't stand each other and like they split up. I almost said that, but the only reason why I didn't is because we did get the post-mortem with Kobe and Shaq talking about their relationship. And I know that they didn't go into full detail of what all happened, but I feel like, at least for me personally, it gave me enough to be like, all right, I'm cool for right now. So even though I wanted to look at the great days of the Kobe back-to-back or the post-Shaq days, I'm going to go with a lesser-known era, which is after that second ring, after we went back-to-back, what was life like in La La Land? What happened the season after? We still made the playoffs, but then we got bounced by the Mavs, which I don't like talking about. The year after that, we get Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, Kobe tears his Achilles, and then it's like downhill from there. So I want to see what was life like with the Lakers organization after that second ring. Like, because Kobe was still playing great, but then that injury happened. So I just want to know that time up until his retirement. What was life like in that locker room? Because I know Kobe was still cutting, I mean, cussing people out. And I really hope they put the interview, I'm mean, not the interview, but the part in there when um, he was at call at practice calling people soft like Charmin. Oh, that's still one of the funniest things I've seen Kobe do. But I just want to see that kind of, I hate to say downfall, but like the downfalls of like Lakers, like back-to-back rings and then just kind of getting – not not being like every other team, but like Kobe's getting older, trying to keep that winning up, like the dynamics of him and Steve Nash and him and Dwight Howard up until the when we had rosters of freaking Jordan Hill and Jordan Clarkson and um Jeremy Lin, like just the transition of the roster up until his retirement. Like I'm interested to see how that shaped out because I mean, being a Lakers fan, I have been a bit spoiled with regards to not losing much. And so after the torn Achilles, that's when stuff got real weird with seeing my team lose. And then seeing Kobe being hurt and then seeing other guys trying to take over the mantle and just, it didn't work. So that's something that I would say I'm really excited about. But another thing I'm excited to hear is your opinion on Kent Bazemore and Bradley Beal. And if Kent Bazemore went too far, as we all know early in this week, Ken Bazemore thought he was being a good teammate while saying in a post-game uh, press conference, talking about Steph, 49 points in 29 minutes. That's unreal. We got guys getting hurt, hurting their hamstrings to keep up. 
Bradley Beal, normally a calm, cool, and collected guy, in response said this, you don't know shit about me, bruh. You don't know why I go out there and play, and it damn sure ain't for another man's approval. Ken Baysmore then said, I guess you can't joke anymore. If you want to know where my loyalty is, it's to, it's to SC30. Anyone out there chasing him is going to be tough. And then Bradley Beal and his wife proceeded to rag doll this man on social media. I sent Ethan, the, sent I, uh, the tweet I sent you that Kamaya posted about <laughs> he hasn't responded. But, I mean, after getting fouled out with eight points and one assist, he should have time. So, what are your thoughts on Kent Bazemore's comments? Do you think he was just being a teammate or did he go too far? I think he should have kept his mouth. I think he should have praised him. He should have killed Bradley Beal out of his mouth. Like, it's not – it's a it's a, it's a man thing. Like, you didn't even have to bring Bradley Beal into it. You could have just said, like, Stealth is dope. He's one of the greater scorers in the history of this game. He's nice. He's nice, brother, proved it. And he's about to get the score on sale. But it's like, you didn't have to crack. I think he wasn't cracking the I think he seriously meant it. He didn't think that Bradley Beal was going to call him out on me. Right. So, you know, call him out on me. He's like, oh, bro, you can't take a joke. And even if you were taking a joke on him, why are you joking about another man's injury? Right. Like, the man, this another man, playing with you play in. This is his life. This is how he feeds his family. And we all know that hamstrings are very freak injuries to where it's like it might, you would think it might take a day or two to hit, or a week to heal, and you could be out for a month. So why are you joking about something as serious as an injury? Yeah, I agree. I think it was a stupid comment. And I'm not going to, you know, do the typical trope of, bro, you don't even start. You're not even that good enough to have your opinion matter, even though you're not. Like, people genuinely forgot this man was still in the league and he chose to talk stuff. It was stupid. But, um, yeah, like, I, I think it was just a stupid thing to say. And I'm sure in hindsight he probably, like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. But overall, it's just like, dude, like, you could have said anything else with your time. Like, yeah, root for your teammate, but don't do it at another man's expense, especially one – who is, one, more relevant than you? Two, dealing with the injury that we all know, like you said, hamstrings are tricky and it's really difficult to decipher just how serious they can be. So, in essence, dude, just, just shut up and just, just go about your business. Let's talk about another player, Victor Oladipo, who we both admit when he plays, he is one of the better shooting guards in the league. But unfortunately, the best ability any athlete can have is availability, and he has not been that. It was announced earlier this week that he will undergo season-ending uh, surgery on his right quadriceps, on his right quadriceps tendon, I'm sorry. And then shortly thereafter, it was announced that he will likely miss this upcoming season too because of that surgery. So I know it's maybe not fair to say done, but is Victor Oladipo ever going to go back to the level of player that he was in his best days with the Thunder and the Pacers, or is he just going to be relegated to a role player now? I don't think he's going to be relegated to a role player. I think he's going to be a slightly above average player. Like, I don't think he's going to be the Victor Oladipo that was in Indiana that was on making people argue that he was one of the best shooting guards in the Eastern Conference. I think that he's going to be a guy that he's going to, like, he can average 15 to 17 points a game, and he can play, he'll be able to play above average defense, but I don't think he's going to be that supreme. 
agree with that. I think that you can look at it on two different points. One, that maybe having that extra season off, if it is true, will help him to really get 100% healthy, allow his body to really catch up and just get a break. So you can look at it from that standpoint. On the other hand, it's like, well, what if he comes back and he's rusty? And so I think that no matter where he ends up, whether he does end up going back to Miami, which I think is a solid fit, or somewhere else. I know that he's not going to immediately be a starter. I feel like if he is a starter, it's going to take some time. And I think he could still put up some solid production, maybe 16 to 18 points a game off the bench. But I just don't think that teams are really going to have that trust in him being a starter, barring just a miraculous comeback. But other than that, I think that his days is just being a, like you said, top shooting guard in the Eastern Conference or any conference for that matter. I think those days are done. But all right, next up, Damian Lillard uh, was talking about Kobe Bryant and the other players who could potentially break Kobe's 81-point game record. He said possibly him, Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Klay Thompson, or Bradley Beal can do it. Personally, I don't think anybody can, but of those names, who could you see it doing it? I would say Steph. themselves apart to be rookie of the year. Deserved it last year. Like I think, I think would have been a disservice if they would have gave it Cole. 
if not for anything, just because they wanted to give Zion something. But I feel like in terms of who just outright deserved it, it was definitely Ja. So I'm going to disagree with you about last year, but there were other instances where I could see that argument being made. But, yeah, I mean, I think so too, especially because this year was tough. I mean, when LaMelo played the first half of the season or so, like he looked like the rookie of the year. But then we progressively saw Ant get better. And then when LaMelo was out, Ant balled out. And now that they're both playing around the same time, they're still like at an even playing field. So it really just comes down to what have you done for me lately? Or do you want to go with whose team is in better position? Like I feel like in terms of picking rookie of the year, this is one of the hardest years to do it, especially because there's really not a third option. It's literally Ant or LaMelo Ball. And so I think that this year is going to be tough to pick. And so if they did go co-rookie of the year, it would make a lot of sense. But, yeah, I don't really see that happening. All right, so next up, let's talk J. Cole, who dropped another album early this week. I haven't heard it, but it seems like everybody loves it. But what would you say? It's a banger. I believe you. And so speaking of bangers, unfortunately, the Warriors did beat the Grizzlies. So they are eight and Grizzlies are nine. But, um, yeah, in addition to doing that, it was also announced that J. Cole has signed a deal with the Basketball Africa League. He'll be playing for the Rwanda Patriots BBC, and we'll be playing about three to six games. Actually, I want to say he's playing today. So, you said what? He played today. Yeah, I thought so. And so, let's be honest. I mean, we've seen other, not just rappers, but other musicians who have basketball playing ability and so do you think that well one do you see that j cole's basketball career is going to expand to higher levels or do you think it's just kind of a one-time thing with the uh basketball africa league and then two do you think more rappers are going to start pursuing professional basketball careers um i think j cole he might pursue a like larger experience in the field in the field of being a professional basketball player I don't necessarily think he will ever reach the heights of being in the NBA, but I think he could honestly play in some professional leagues overseas, maybe, because a lot of people, either they don't know or they forget that J. Cole actually was a college basketball player. Like, he played for a team. I forgot the name of the team exactly. But he he's not, like, just some guy that, like, like oh, I hoop for fun. I hoop for fun on the side. Now I just want to go playing in Africa because it's like I'm going to use my fame to get there. Like, J. Cole is actually a skilled basketball player. He also, I've seen numerous of videos where he's worked out with one of the top basketball trainers in the NBA, Chris Brangles. His videos of him being in runs with professional basketball players and actually being able to hold his own in a competitive setting of a, a pickup game. And it's like where they were playing actual defense. So, J. Cole can hoop, but I don't think that he will legit try to put – I don't think he'll legit make heights of the NBA as far as being a professional basketball player. Um, as far as other rappers, I I can see it. I just don't think that they will have the skill set. Like, I know it is a lot of great um, rappers that can play ball. Like, I know Little, Little Dirty can hoop. Um, Dave East can hoop. Uh, Quavo, he can hoop. But it's like, I don't think that they would have the type of talent to make. Only way I can see a lot of other rappers going into professional leagues is if it was a charity. Not a charity, but a own publicity 
I could see teams trying to go off of the G League. Like, J. Cole, I could see him playing in the G League potentially. NBA, no, but G League, I could see that because one, if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if the G League would do it just not to get more eyes on the product, to get more people paying attention to the G League. Because we hear about the G League and how it's an opportunity for young cats who choose not to go to college and guys who are trying to, you know, reverberate their careers, but not many people are like, oh, snap, the Memphis Hustle playing. I got to turn that game on, you know. Very few people are actually, like, setting their sights out for the G League unless it's, like, the summer. And so because of that, I do I can see rappers or at least players like a J. Cole to potentially go after that. But, yeah, like, in terms of just going to the NBA, I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, y'all not Master P. So maybe one day, but not right now. All right, one more thing before we close out the show or at least the basketball portion, Damian Lillard, who this is the most I have heard Damian Lillard's name being brought up in trade discussions, possibly be going to any other team. Like these past few weeks, it's been ridiculous. Um, so reports are coming out that Damian Lillard has drawn attention from multiple contending teams and has been monitoring and who have been monitoring him in case he requests a trade per uh, Ian Begley. If Portland fails to make a strong playoff pitch, many analysts believe Lillard will be open to exploring other teams, one of which teams being the Celtics, who would like to form a big three of Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, and Jalen Brown, which will be nasty. But if, all right, let's say Portland gets bounced in the playoffs early. Do you really think that Damian Lillard is going to request a trade, or do you believe him when he says he wants to be in Portland for life? That is one of those guys around the G League who wants to stay in Portland for life. And the, because the reason being is like, if he wanted to, if it was a situation based upon winning, like, and making deep playoff runs, he would have left a long time ago. He honestly would have requested it last season because this last season was a team that went from making it to the Western Conference Finals the year before to being bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Like, if if you were to request a trade, that would be it. I think that the things that are holding the Trailblazers back really are like they don't play defense. They have a lot of guys that can score, but they don't really have anybody that can defend outside of like Robert Covington. And like that's something that front office has to address. I don't think that there's something to necessarily hinder Dane from staying or leaving. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. I think another issue that the Trailblazers have is just injuries. Like, these last few years, they have really been ran through with injuries, whether it be Yusuf Nurkic, whether it be uh, CJ McCollum. Even Dane has had to – has gone through some energy – I mean, uh, injuries as well. Zach Collins. Like, just from top to bottom, it's been tough getting their best players on the same – court at the same time and so I think that but I mean that's not something that anybody can really control all you can do is just try to play the game because injuries can happen at any moment but yeah I'm in agreement with you I can't see Dane really wanting to leave sure there are teams that he could be a nice fit on we talked about the uh Knicks I believe that was last week I mean the thought of him on the Celtics would be a great boost as well but overall I think that Dame is serious when he says he wants to stay in a place for the rest of his career and I think that he's somebody who could do it. But then again, I also thought Russ wasn't going to leave the Thunder. So, I mean, stranger things have happened. But based off of his word and what I have seen from his character and his loyalty, 
I don't think he leaves the Trailblazers. But all right, so Nuggets versus Trailblazers tonight in the battle for the sixth seed. Who wins that game? I'm going. I'm actually going Nuggets. Okay. So that would so that would put the what the uh, Trailblazers in the play in. Yeah, but I'm going Nuggets because I think that. I I think that they won't be able to control or contain Nikola Jokic. And I think that Michael Porter Jr., since Jamal Murray has been injured, Michael Porter Jr. is averaging like 20 points a game, I believe. And I think that he's going to be the guy that that helps bring them over the top. And they also, something that a lot of people don't realize, like a lot of guys on their team, They've been on their team for a so they have continuity with each other. I'm like, yes, I know that Dame and CJ, they made their dynamic backward, but I think that one of those guys, one of the two of those guys might not perform up to the standard that they normally perform up to. That would be an interesting development. Um, So if it, you had it your way, who would be in the play-in, the Lakers or Trailblazers? If I had it my way, I would Personally, I'm going to say I want to see the Lakers in the play-in, one, because I feel like if they're able to push it out, make it out the play-in, and then make it to the finals and potentially win, I think that's one hell of a story, not just for, you know, LeBron, but for the legacy of the team of overcoming so much adversity this year because it has been a lot of adversity this season and so I think that that would be really telling for the organization of course you know LeBron will get his flowers but I think it'd be I just think it'd be a really good story um Trailblazers honestly regardless of if they're in the play-in or not I don't really see them getting that far so I just think it'd be more entertaining plus I think it'll get more eyes on the play-in if a team like the Lakers are involved that's just me but all right let's talk some wrestling all right let's make some predictions for tonight's Gosh, I hate saying this, WrestleMania backlash. But then again, it is pretty much just rematches from WrestleMania. But let's go ahead and start with the SmackDown Tag Team Championships uh, with Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler defending their titles against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Now, while 
I think it'd be cool to have the father-son duos, tag champs. I think they're going to keep it on Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, especially because I feel like down the road, the Usos are going to become the new tag team champions. Fingers crossed. Hope it happens. But, yeah, I'm going um, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler. I think it's going to be a pretty solid match, especially because all the competitors in this match are pretty talented. So, I think it'll be a cool match, but I don't think it'll be able to top, top what's to come with better contenders. No offense to the Mysterios. Alright, next up, the Lumberjack match between Damian Priest and The Miz. While this build-up has been pretty solid, mainly because Johnny Drip Drip is freaking amazing, I think that Damian Priest walks out with a pretty easy win. The Miz is entertaining. The Miz is a great heel. And I think that this win, especially one-on-one, -on -one, will help establish Damian Priest as a player to watch on Raw, especially within the um, mid-card titles and potentially further and beyond. So I think that this will be a nice pace match, especially with the Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks always tend to make things a bit more interesting. But I got Damian Priest. Moving on to the WWE Championship, triple threat between Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman. You all know my feelings about Braun Strowman. So we'll leave it at that. Drew McIntyre, I could definitely see him regaining the WWE Championship. But I'm going to say Bobby Lashley retains. Even though after this, I hope that neither Drew McIntyre or Braun Strowman are the next number one contender. Just because I want to see some new blood, even though Raw does not have much of it. But I think Bobby retains. I think that... His, he has potential to have a really good reign, and I think that by having him beat two of the biggest powerhouses on Raw, I think that that would help to establish him as that and help to kind of push him as a legitimate champion. All right, next up, SmackDown Women's Championship. We got my girl, Bianca Belair, defending her title against Bayley. Of course I'm going Bianca Belair. Even though Bayley is great and her as a heel is great, for some people. To me, it, it's fine. But, not the point. I think that even though these two, I feel like we put on a good match, I think that Bianca's going to come out on top. One, because with her title, I mean, besides Bailey, she really hasn't done much. Has she had a one-on-one -on -one match since Mania? I ask because I've had a lot going on since Mania with moving and work, and so I've been kind of out of the loop. But I don't think she's had a one-on-one -on -one match since Mania. So this will be that first one, if my memory serves me correctly. And Bailey is great in the ring. I feel like it'll be a really good match, um, very competitive match, but I don't really think it'd be that much of a surprise if Bianca lost. I mean, if Bianca won. If anything, I'd be more shocked if she did lose just because it would be kind of random for her to lose the title. Um, from what I've been able to watch on SmackDown, I do like kind of the build for this match. But, um... Yeah, definitely Bianca. If not for any other reason, but she's got to face Sasha again. Sasha's got to get her rematch before she loses the title. All right, next up, the Raw Women's Championship. This one is a bit less predictable only because adding in Charlotte brings in another dynamic to it. Everybody who knows me, or at least the wrestling fan in me, knows that I love Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is my favorite, all-time favorite women's wrestler. And even though I love me some Bianca Belair, I think Bianca Belair is amazing. Charlotte's still my favorite woman in the company right now, if not for any other reason, but you know I love a good heel. And Charlotte is a hell of a heel. With that all being said, Rhea Ripley has to retain. It has to be the start of new blood on Raw. Asuka is tremendous and very talented, but I think it's a foregone conclusion unless something miraculous happens that she's a better challenger than champion because when she's champion, they don't know how to book her. Either she's in some BS feuds that have nothing to do with her, she's doing the same matches 10 times in a row, or she's just not on TV. I think that Asuka is better suited for the challenger role 
on any brand that's not NXT. Um, with regards to Charlotte, she is amazing. I love her. If she wants to become 14-time champion, 15-time, I don't know how many it is right now, I would be stoked just not tonight. I think that this is Rhea Ripley's time, and I think that this is the perfect opportunity for Rhea Ripley to establish her dominance, show that she can be a legitimate champion for the future, and just make Raw fresh, make Raw new again, because Raw's been pretty stale. Um, like I said about SmackDown, I haven't been able to catch every Raw, but I mean consistently not much different has occurred. So honestly, I say keep it on Rhea. I think that she's the option that can can really take it to the future. I think that it can make it the most entertaining and the most fun, especially if you book her in some different and new feuds. After this, I don't have to see her go up against Asuka again for a while. I could maybe see her go up against Charlotte just because of the rematch, because I don't think they've had a one-on-one -on -one rematch since Mania. So I would be kind of cool with that. But other than that, like, use the other talent you have on the brand. Shayna Baszler, I would love to see that match again. I wouldn't mind seeing her against Nia, Naomi, um, people like that who we know are talented. So. Don't mess this up, WWE. And that's of me, a Charlotte super fan, saying, don't mess it up. And then finally, the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns defending his title against Cesaro. There are a couple ways I kind of wanted to go with this, but sometimes you just got to go the easy way. And the easy way is Roman's going to win. I think it's going to be a tremendous match. I want to see him try to spin, do the spin on Roman. No, I do want to see him do that. If he does that, I think that'd be sick. I don't think it happens, but I, it'd be cool if he tried it. But, um, yeah, no, I got Roman winning. My other possible theory was Cesaro technically wins but doesn't walk out with the title because because since Roman interrupted his match against Cesaro on Friday night, he might try to do the same thing to Roman, a backlash. But then again, Jimmy just got back, and I don't want to see a dead body. I love Jimmy. That's my guy. So, with that being said, I think I'm just going to go safe route for everybody and have Roman win outright, even though I do think it is going to be a really good match. Cesaro is a very talented uh, wrestler, and I think that it's great for him to finally really start getting those opportunities to really showcase what he can do, just because he can do so much. However, when you're going up against the Tribal Chief, I mean... There's none you can really do. <laughs> but those are my predictions for 2021 WrestleMania Backlash. Gosh, I hate saying that. Please sure to continue to support. Thank you guys for everything through this weird, crazy transitional period. Um, please sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes for our lovely podcast on our YouTube channel entitled The Export. Remember, draft fans, if you are a fan of the NFL, go ahead and check out my 2021 NFL Draft Recap. Has everybody's draft. Big things coming with playoffs and WWE stuff. So, yeah, be sure to stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.